Hey, this is Pastor Ali, one of the lead pastors of Bold Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. If you want to stay up to date with Bold Church, if you want to find out when our next gathering is or how to live stream an event, head over to bold.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning, good morning. Love a quite a loud room. There's a ton of people here. Uh, if we have not met, my name is Ali, and five years ago, God gave my wife and I a God dream to create a place where not only Christians could grow in their faith, but listen, unchurched people could come explore their faith. And I know during the holidays, it's that time of the year where it's like the CEOs come out, the Christian Easter only, it's okay, we love you. Uh, we don't care why you're here, we're just glad that you are here. And uh, I, uh, let me tell you, seven of the eight people that started this church we all got saved in our 20s. We know how uncomfortable it is to come to church for the very first time. So if it's your first time here, let me tell you, you are welcome here. Uh, everything we've done, everything we've created about this church, our, our, everything we do in terms of our service was designed with you in mind. Uh, but let me do some housekeeping and then we'll go straight to the sermon because I got a good word. Y'all ready? Some housekeeping, some announcements. The first one is this. Uh, next Saturday, because we're a portable church, you got to understand we're at the mercy of wherever we rent. And for the first five years, the Hotel Valencia never allowed us to rent during Christmas Eve. And this year, for the very first time, we're having our very first Christmas Eve service. Your pastor might wear slacks instead of his wife's skinny jeans. It might be cool. Come on. Second announcement. This is ob maybe obvious, but there's no service on the 25th because we're having it on the Saturday before. Amen? Sleep in. Have some eggnog for me in Jesus' name and enjoy the presence. Uh, one thing that we've done for the, for the first five years of our church is the very last Sunday of the year is what we typically call Sabbath Sunday. It's usually the 30th or the 31st this year. Because of the calendar, it falls on January 1st, which means that Sunday, which is the first Sunday of the new year, we typically give the... Do you see this room? It, Mary Poppins didn't create this room. It was, if you're part of the dream team, can you raise your hand real quick that you're part of the setup? God bless you. Thank you. The dream could not work without their teamwork. And uh, I, I got a non-traditional sermon. Yo, is that okay? I'm going to preach a text that you've probably heard before but never heard on Christmas. I've preached this, this verse before in our church, but I promise you you've never heard this verse for Christmas. If you're ready, someone say amen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and 7. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He had the fast pass. He had the VIP. He, he, he had the butler. He had, he had access to all of it, and he, he chose not to live that way. But he emptied. Someone say emptied. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Jesus led it with a towel and not a title. Being born in the likeness of men. I want to preach for the next 30 minutes around this subject, worst Christmas. Worst Christmas. And uh, maybe you came in this morning expecting a, a sermon about Mary and the little drummer boy. Let me just break your heart. There was no drummer boy in the Bible. I saw, I'm sorry. It's a Justin Bieber song, which is awesome, but he's not there. Uh, maybe you expected a sermon about uh, Joseph and the, the shepherds and the wise men, the magi, some translations. Uh, this is going to be a non-traditional sermon because I think this is a non-traditional East Christmas. We're coming out of a three-year three pandemic and it, it's affecting people. It, it's not a normal Christmas. And because it's not a normal Christmas, I need to preach a not a normal Christmas message. Amen? 
And your ability to receive will, will be based on your ability to be honest. This is not the Christmas I expected. Uh, if you can bow your heads and close your eyes, I, I'm, we need the Spirit of God this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here speaking to us. God, I, I pray, Lord, for every person in this room. God, we came in dressed up nice with a smile on our face, but God, I have no idea what's going on on the inside. No, I don't have no idea the pain, the grief. Maybe this may be a great Christmas for some, a great holiday for some, but it's a reminder, God, of who's not here. It's a reminder of what we don't have yet. And I pray, Jesus, in the way that only you can do, that you would speak to us, you would reveal yourself to us, that we, we walk in one way, God, but we would leave another. We'd talk him more like you, love him more like you. And if you believe that everyone said, everybody said, my worst Christmas Pastoring this church was 2017, and uh, church planning is a dilemma. You get two things at the same time, joy and pain. And you have faith, but you also got fear. You get the, the, the life-giving joy of introducing people to Jesus, but then someone's got to suffer because it's, it's going to cost something. And uh, many people don't realize this, but church planning is, is, is spiritual warfare. Uh, you, you're not dodging bullets, you're, you're dodging demons. Uh, and, and in normal war, you kiss your wife... Kiss your kids, and then you go to the front lines. Church planning is the only warfare where you bring your family to the front line. Uh, and most people don't realize the sacrifice, the pain involved in planning a church, the sacrifice financially involves in planning a church. That, that very first Christmas, we measured the age of our church, listen, not in years or months, in weeks. I remember we were 11 weeks old. <laughs> it's a service that Ethan and I talk about all the time. It was the worst service we ever had. And the reason why was there was literally no one in the room. And we were 11 weeks old. It rained. It was cold. And everyone wanted to do church. We didn't even have online church. I don't know what they were doing. They just didn't want to come. Uh, and it was this dilemma. It was joy and pain. It was joy because my two-year-old, who's six today, she was on stage singing a very song. Like every dad had my cell phone up. But it was painful because I, I went home wanting to quit. Why am I sacrificing so much? Why am I doing this? And there's a part of our family that you didn't even know about. That was the first year, my wife and I, the reality of being a pastor, the, 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 the paycheck of it, it affected our, We could not buy Christmas presents that year because I'm too prideful to ask for help. I remember my wife and I talking. I'm like, honey, this is going to be the year where we have to bite the bullet and we're not going to buy our, we'll buy our, girls one gift, but then we can't buy each other a gift. And that's what I mean by church planning. You bring your family. They got to suffer even though you're the one planning the church. It's different. And it was hard. I, I cried a lot that Christmas because there's nothing makes you feel smaller as a man when you want to give your, your family the best, but you can't provide it because you were wired to do that. And uh, it, it was an opportunity. Even though my Christmas felt empty, I leaned into God in a way I never did before. I got intimacy, I got friendship that I would never would have had if my bank account was full. And uh, maybe you're here this morning and maybe your Christmas feels empty. I want to encourage you, it's not as empty as it feels. Uh, six days before Christmas, I got a letter in the mail. Lake Point, if you're watching this, thank you. Uh, I got a letter in the mail and it, it was just a, a normal envelope. And, uh, and I opened it up and it's a letter, I read it. And, and it was a, a partner church that had financially supported the church, and now they were writing me a letter. I was like, what did I do wrong? Why are you writing me? And it was basically along the lines of no one knows the sacrifice, no one knows the pain, no one knows the financial lack that church planners have, and this is a gift not for your church. This is a gift 
for your kids. And they had sent me money to buy. I was like Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. Like, I got the golden ticket, babe. Uh, and I'm not saying God's going to send you a travel check. Please don't hear me saying that. But before the check had come, I already had found peace. That the best gift wasn't under the present. It hung on a cross for me. That the, the best gift I had was a healthy wife and a healthy daughter who three months prior had a tumor on her hand that God miraculously had healed. I, I didn't need anything. I already had it. But it was an opportunity to lean in when Christmas felt empty. And I want to encourage you. Some, some of you in this room, your, your Christmas doesn't feel like it should. And I brought some some props, and maybe for some of you, the first prop I want to show you is maybe your Christmas feels empty because you have an empty picture frame. Uh, when you think of Christmas, many of us, you think of the, the trees, the memories as a kid running out in your room and seeing all these gifts, and then there's this image of all the wrapping paper in the room, and it's amazing because the movies show that, your friends had that, but you never had that. And when you think of Christmas, it's empty. Because you had a wish list of things you wanted that was never, it was always a fantasy. And Christmas was more about the fighting than it was the festivities. It was more about what you didn't have than what you did have. And maybe this Christmas it feels empty because you don't have those memories. Even in my home, my mom was a Muslim. She would even buy us a Christmas even though we didn't believe in Jesus. Because she wanted us to experience the joy, the fun of having a Christmas tree in our home. Because all of our friends were Christian. And we didn't believe in Jesus, but even we had a Christmas tree. And for many of you in this room your Christmas is empty. The memories are not there. For others of you, it's, a, it's the exact opposite. It's a Christmas present. You had amazing parents. Like they needed their own reality TV show because they didn't just decorate the tree, they decorated the house. And they bought you a sweater that was so ugly you only wore it during that week during Christmas, right? And they even put like antlers on their car. Like they were all out. And your mom baked cookies that only came out during Christmas time. And they, they all wear matching pajamas. It was like the Christmases of Christmases. And the problem was not that it was awesome, but that you had to grow up. And now Christmas doesn't feel the same. Because now you got to try to replicate that for your kids. And you're buying the gifts. You're not just one tree. You have three trees in your house. You're playing Mariah Carey because you defrost her in October. You know what? <laughs> Once a year, you got to bring her out, her and Michael Bublé, and then you got to put her back in the freezer in January 1st. And it looks like Christmas, but it's empty. And it doesn't have the joy and the peace and the, the merriness it had when you were a little kid. Maybe Christmas for you is maybe not an empty frame. Or an empty gift. Maybe like me, there's someone in your life that's not there at this Christmas. See, my dad died in, in May. He was 82. And this is the first Christmas I've, in my entire life that he's not here. And uh, everyone's got that one relative where they buy you socks. And you're like, oh, right? You got to pretend like you're happy. And you would love that pair of socks this year. Uh, my dad has these corny jokes where like, like, we'll say, oh, my God. And he'll be like, yes, you called? I'm like, Dad, come on. Like, those are the corny jokes my dad. I'm not going to hear those corny jokes this year, right? And my dad has this weird tradition where the last 10 years he was deaf and blind. So he didn't, he couldn't even, like, leave the house to go buy me a gift. He would write me a check. And because he's a huge 49er fan, every check would end with 49 cents on the back end. Come on. I'm going to miss cashing that check with 49. Reminder that he's a, 
he's a 49er fan. And for others of you, it's, it, it's not just sad that someone's not here by their choice. It's sad that they're not here by their choice. They were the spouse that left. They were the girlfriend that broke up with you. It was the fiance that says, no, I don't want this. And you're celebrating this Christmas, and it's not because they're not here on earth. It's because they're not here in this room by choice. And maybe this Christmas, for many of you in this room, I told you it's non-traditional Christmas message because it feels empty. It's an empty memory or it's empty joy or an empty seat. If that's you this morning, this message is for you. I got three things for you that I'm hoping to encourage you. Are you ready to be encouraged? If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. If you're new to bold church, we say this all the time. You're more likely to go to heaven if you take notes in church. The the odds are 95%. Those are good odds. You want to write this down. Number one, if your Christmas feels empty, you're not alone. And I'm not saying in the obvious, like, oh, my gosh, I'm in a room full of other people. No, 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 no. I'm not even in the obvious sense, like, I'm not the only one feeling that. I'm saying there's, you're not alone in that God feels what you feel. Every pain, every sorrow, every hurt, every amount of suffering that you have gone through, you're not alone because God went through it too. And it's an opportunity when Christmas does not feel like the way it should on TV, it's an opportunity to lean in. And get intimacy with him. Because he, listen, he graduated through it. He can take you through it. Ephesians chapter 2. Let me go back to our fundamental verse for this morning. Having this mind among yourselves, which is Christ Jesus. Paul, the the apostle Paul wrote this from from prison. And in Philippi, the, the prison was underground. And he's literally voicing the words from prison. And someone outside the prison is writing these words. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but empty. Someone say empty. Someone say it a little bit louder. Someone say empty. God emptied himself. How did God empty himself? He was born. See, the day that we celebrate with these trees and the presents and the songs and the pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks and the scarves that you ladies bring out, it's like, there's so many things that only come out, right, during Christmas. It's a day we celebrate. It was not a day of celebration for Jesus. It may be for some of you your favorite holiday. It was the worst day in his life. Maybe your Christmas feels empty. It has no comparison to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was in the presence of God. Angels were singing to him, glory, glory, on the Lord most high, the king of kings. And he went from being surrounded by angels and he left heaven, is now surrounded by barn animals. Do you know the Bible says that God is love and everyone loves that? The Bible also says he's light. That in the book of Revelation is that we don't want to even need the sun because the radiance of God will be our light. And God was in the warmth of heaven, in the light of heaven, and now he's in the dark, cold manger. And for the first time in human history, God's in the dark. God's experiencing coldness, which he's never experienced before. The book of Revelation says that he's going to wipe away every tear. Every, 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 every sorrow, every pain, he's going to wipe it away. But, but that's when he comes back the second time. What most people don't realize is, that I don't mean to be rude, but someone needed to wipe his butt. Because he's a baby. I I don't know what's more painful, the death of Jesus on the cross or the birth of Jesus into this world. Because in one sense, he left heaven with warmth, with angels, and now he's alone in a manger as a baby. See, when he died on a cross, listen, he went immediately to paradise. 
Yes, the suffering was, was great. He, he dropped uh, blood as he was praying in the garden. They ripped the skin off his back when they scourged him. And he was only hanging on a cross for three hours. Painful. He died of asphyxiation. I'm not in any way saying that's not painful. But it was 12 hours max. Jesus had to suffer for 33 years on earth. With a body, with sin, with sickness. Imagine being in heaven with perfect Taco Bell that doesn't get you fat. <laughs> right? There's no guilt. You don't need to count macros. You just eat whatever you want. Now he's got to enter this world. And see, many of you in this room, you're yelling at God at your painful situation when you should be leaning into God. God, you already went through it. Help me get through it. Reminds me of my daughter. My daughter's in the first grade this year. She's six. And last year, her homework was very different. It was cut circles out and paste them. This year, she's got to read a sentence or a paragraph and write it out. She's got to do math. And often, um, she'll do, we'll do homework every night of the week because it's a little bit. And on Monday nights, I'll put Monday night football. So I'm mute. I'm still a good dad. I'm paying attention, right? And I got my, my iPad showing me my fancy football scores because I'm spirit-filled. And my daughter is next to me doing her homework. And almost every time, I don't want to watch this, Dad. I'm like, you shouldn't even be watching. I want to watch Tom and Jerry. You're supposed to be doing your homework. And like 15 minutes later, she's like, Dad, this is not fair. I want to watch TV. Why do you get to watch TV and I don't? I'm like, girl, I did the first grade. I did this. I, I did it all the way to 12. And then, listen, I did four years of college. Five, I stopped counting after five years of seminary. I've been there and done that. Instead of yelling and complaining, you should be asking me for help. Because I already went through it. Do you see the pattern? So many of you are yelling at Jesus. Why is Christmas suck? Why did my parents not awesome? Why am I going through this? When you should be leaning into him. Because he already graduated. And he could take you through it. For so many of you in this room, you didn't have the parents that you wish you had. They didn't buy you the gifts that you wanted. Every year you had a wish list and every year it remained that, a wish list. Jesus is like, listen, I know you don't like the parents I gave you, but I was born in a manger, bro. Come on. The Bible never records Jesus' father after the age of 12. Imagine going through puberty and the hormones without a dad. He was not invited to, to follow any rabbis in the first century. Jesus, that's the equivalent of applying to every college today and being denied. When Jesus began his ministry, even his own family thought he was demon-possessed. Imagine the comfort of your family. The one supposed to support you, they were trying to bring you down. I know your family wasn't perfect, but I'm here to tell you, you have a heavenly father who is. And maybe your picture is empty because the memories are empty, but God wants to give you new memories. Ephesians 1 says, blessed be the God and father. Someone say father. He's your dad. Christianity is the first religion when Jesus taught us to pray to our father. No other world religion teaches you to address God as your father. It says, blessed be our God and father who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, whatever your dad didn't give, the love, the affirmation, the unconditional support your heavenly father does. If empty, Christmas feels empty. Listen, you're not, Jesus went through it too. For some of you, it's, it, it feels empty because you don't have the joy that you had. I have an, a, a theory about this because I think something shifted when you were receiving the gifts. Now, now you have to give the gifts. When Santa put him under the tree, now Visa and MasterCard do. But you've twisted Christmas. It's not about getting. It's not about 
the 65-inch TV or the new car or the new iPhone. It's not about the, 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 the surplus of consumerism. The Magi brought gifts to Jesus. The essence of Christmas is Luke 10, verse 10. I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus says it's better to give than to receive. If your Christmas feels empty, maybe what you need to do is you need to buy a gift and give it away. Because the joy of Christmas isn't what you get, it's what you give. And maybe for some of you, it's the empty chair. You know, Pastor Allie, I, I had a relationship with this one girl and she broke it off. I had this best friend and he, she stabbed me in the back. You don't understand. Jesus understands. He did ministry for three years with a dude named Judas. And he didn't just betray him on social media, like say something mean. He betrayed him to his face with a kiss on the cheek for 30 pieces of silver. No, no, no Pastor Allie, you don't understand. I actually lost a loved one. So did Jesus. Jesus, in the scriptures recorded, many families that he ate meals with. One family is recorded, then Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And what's so interesting about that story of Lazarus is that he resurrects Lazarus. Even though he dies, he comes back four days later and resurrects him. The question is, why did Jesus go through that? He doesn't understand. I actually lost my grandfather. I lost my dad. No, 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 you don't understand. See, the book of Revelation says that God's going to wipe away every tear, wipe away every, every pain in, in heaven. But on earth, he weeps with you. It's different. It's the shortest verse in the entire scriptures. Jesus wept. John eleven forty two. Jesus wept. Why would Jesus cry knowing he's going to resurrect Lazarus? Because he knew one day you'd call him in the prayer closet. Saying, my, my spouse is gone. My father's gone. My child's gone. And Christianity is the only religion where your God says, me too. Me too. Christmas feels empty. You're not alone. And this is what separates Christianity, that God wanted to weep through you. God graduated the suffering, graduated the pain. He went through it all. Why? So he can help you get through it too. That's why I love if Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says this. It's on the screen. I can't even read it. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended from heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold, I can't even see him, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize in our weakness, in our depression, in our loneliness, in our sorrows. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. He went through every sorrow. He went through every suffering. Any loss that you've ever experienced, Jesus experienced it too. And he, in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. First grade's hard until you hang out with someone who went through it for, with you. My daughter, every time she's stuck, guess who she leans on? See, some of you, you your Christmas is empty. It, it looks empty. It feels empty. And literally, that chair in your room is empty. And you have a choice. You can lean in or you can complain. You can lean on the one who's gone through it or complain about the Christmas you haven't had. Now, I'm here to encourage some people. Jesus has two names. Jesus is the first one. Emmanuel is the second. It says this in, in the book of Matthew. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Someone say Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. I wrote down, I want you to know if you're lonely today, he's with you. If you're sad today, he's with you. If you can't buy your kids Christmas presents because you don't have money, he's with you. 
If you're sick, he's with you. If you're hurting, he's with you. If you're hoping and you lack a spouse, he's with you. If you want kids and you don't have them, he's with you. If you're looking for a job, he's with you. If you're depressed, he's with you. He's with you. Anybody excited that God's with us? I, I said all that to give you one point. God did not do this to you. He came to do this with you. If you're feeling empty this Christmas, number one, you're not alone. Number two, we're going to write this down. It gets better. Turn to your neighbor and say, it gets better. Now turn to your other neighbor that you forsaked in church. It gets better for you too. Now, I said this last week and I'll say it again. We actually don't know the day that Jesus was born. I remember that I was having lunch with one of my pastors, my pastor, Steve Clifford, who spoke at the church. And the topic of Christmas and Easter were coming up because it's really hard to preach a Christmas message and an Easter message every single year. It's got to be the same thing. i got to tell you something you already know and make it fresh and new. And we're just complaining to each other. And he's like, you know Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. I was like, what? You're a liar. You're, shut your mouth. You're a heretic. What do you mean he wasn't born? And they started showing me the commentaries that the Roman Catholic Church chose December 25th, because no one knows the day. There's a two-week window, and they had to like, pick a day in that window. Could be January 4th. He's no longer, Santa's no longer having sleigh and reindeer. It's camels, because it's January in, in another country. It's, it's warm. We don't know. But the, the, the Roman Catholic Church chose, listen, December 25th on purpose, because of the winter solstice. There's two solstices. There's the summer solstice and the winter solstice. Not that the day is longer or shorter. Every day is 24 hours. But on the summer solstice, the sun is up the longest that day. It's the brightest and longest day with the sun in the sky. The winter solstice is still 24 hours, but the sun's only up seven or six hours. It's considered the shortest day of the year. And the Roman Catholic Church chose that day on purpose because they wanted to convey the message, the hope of Christianity, that as dark as the world is, as dark as Christmas is, the light of heaven came among us. I'm not saying this because I want to like start a petition, let's change the day. I'm telling you this because even though we don't know the day that Jesus was born, I promise you there is someone who knows. Mary. My mom, if you asked her, when was I born? She would tell you the day, the year, the time. She would tell you what she was wearing, the name of the doctor. What She knows all the details. I promise you. Mary knows all the details of Jesus' birth. Why? That's what moms do. They care about their kids. They love their children. And you and I celebrate Christmas, and it's our, for many of you, it's your favorite holiday. Here's a question I want to ask you. Do you think it's her favorite holiday? Do, do you think, yes, of course, she celebrates the birth of her son. She did for 33 years. But after he passed, after he was gone, I wrote down like this. Maybe this will... Was Christmas a happy day for Mary because that was the day her, her son was born? Or was Christmas a sad day because, remember, her baby's no longer with her? See, Mary's not just the mom who gave birth to Jesus. Mary's the mom who had to bury Jesus. Is she happy? Many theologians say yes. And they, the blues clues to this answer comes in Acts chapter 1. And uh, for those of you that don't know, the book of Luke and the book of Acts were written by the same person. His name is Luke. He's a doctor. And if you read the first verses of both books, he addresses this man named Theophilus. Hey, Theophilus, I recorded and wrote down everything that you wanted me to write. This man, Theophilus, is a rich, wealthy person, paid Luke to go investigate who Jesus was and the early church. Thank God there's someone rich Christian out there that allowed us to have the Bible. And 
The book of Luke is about Jesus being filled with the Spirit 20 times that Jesus was filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. The book of Acts is different, though, because Jesus is gone. Guess who's being filled with the Spirit? The church. Same way that the Holy Spirit fell on Jesus at his baptism and empowered him for ministry. The entire book of Acts is about the Holy Spirit falling on us on the day of Pentecost and empowering us for ministry. But there's one little tiny clue in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Read this with me. They all joined together. Who's the they? The, the 500 people that Jesus showed himself to. He was resurrected for 40 days. 1 Corinthians 15 says he showed himself to 500 people. But the book of Acts says only 120 show up. I wonder why. Listen, faith sometimes only makes sense in reverse. It's very easy to be like, oh my gosh, if I was there, I would totally would have followed. No, bro. Uh, 380 people were not there. Only 120 were willing to wait. And look what the Bible says. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary. Now, why does the Bible do that? Why doesn't it just say all the women were there and then move on? Why does it distinguish Mary, who is a woman, from the other women? Many theologians say it was because of her response. That many people were mourning and grieving that the loss of Jesus, and she, listen to me, was excited. And the way you're supposed to read this text is like this, and they all joined together along with the women and Mary. The mother of Jesus was there too. That's what the Bible wants you to see. Let me tell you why. Because Mary's the only one in history who got to carry her baby twice. The first time was the spirit of Christ. She gained weight, loved tacos. Then she got pregnant she wants to eat hamburgers. Weird cravings, shrimp and hot dogs, crazy stuff. Pizza only from this place. The husband had to drive two hours. I was the only one. Okay, okay. Herpes, she got weight, clothes didn't fit. The first time Mary was pregnant with the spirit of Christ, not herpes, hemorrhoids, sorry. <laughs> different age, different age. Sorry. But the first time she was pregnant, it was painful. Why is Mary excited the second time? Because she's not going to gain weight. He's not leaving. She's going to carry her baby a second time, and he's never going to leave her and forsake her. She's the only mom that got to carry her child twice. I wrote it down like this. What God allows to be taken in one season always comes back better than the next. Always comes back. Some of you lost a job this last quarter. God's going to bring a better one because you were faithful in the last one. God will never let his righteous go hungry. Claim that promise. Some of you lost a spouse, a girlfriend, a boyfriend. You're like, I, I, I was godly. I was pure, Pastor Ali. I did everything right. A better one's coming. For some of you in this room, I'm actually going to be very honest. Your faith changed after COVID. You were on fire. You couldn't, you couldn't wait to come to church. And now you're like here every six weeks. Or when you are here, you, you're, you're not really here. And what God, listen, what God allowed to go away. He's going to bring back with greater passion. Because what God allows to be taken in one season comes back better than the next. I had to learn this with my wife. Uh, the, the biggest Christmas argument in my home, listen, is around the Christmas tree. Anyone in here 
as a, as a kid growing up, I would buy my Christmas tree at Safeway for 20 bucks. Anyone one of those people? Come on, growing up. Woo! One person knows the joy of throwing that tree in the car from the parking lot, right? My wife, though, she, she wanted the real thing. And I know the real thing smells good and, like, it does not clean good, okay? So if you want a real tree, you come and spend five hours vacuuming all the, the needles. For five years, every Christmas, babe, I don't want a real tree. I want one. And we'd compromise and we'd get a real tree, all right? And then last year, revival came to my house. She's like, I want a fake tree. I'm like, he's coming back tomorrow. Lord, here's my, he's coming back. Some, get ready. Get ready. But it was, it didn't end there. She didn't want just a fake one. She wanted to buy two fake trees. I, I almost called Dave Ramsey. I'm like, can you please talk to my wife? We, we can't spend this much money on two fake trees. We talked, we prayed, we compromised, we bought two fake trees. I'm just, yeah. And I didn't think it would be better but it was better than I thought because I gave up the real tree. But listen, my kids, I love them to death. They, every year they make a fake ornament at school and they bring it. I'm their dad. It's ugly. It is ugly. Now they put that ornament not on my tree. They put it on their tree. And then my, my youngest one does not understand compromise. She wants to put seven ornaments on one branch. The branch is like falling. And if you try to stop her, she's going to, like, lose her mind. Now she can decorate her ugly tree however she wants. Listen, it got better. For some of you in this room, you didn't have the parents you wanted, but now you can give your kids those memories. It gets better. For some of you in this room, you, you think the new iPhone is going to fill you up with joy. Listen, God wants to give you more joy than just for 25 days a year. He wants to give it to you in January. That's that, what's that song everyone's going on TikTok? January, February. March. And you put in picture after picture. That's what God wants to do with joy over your life. When you take away the present and you're filled with his presence. Because the best gift isn't what you put on a tree. It's what hung on a tree for you. This is the hard one though. How is this better? better for three reasons, and I'm hoping one of them speak to you. The first is, in my home, after my dad passed, we hug each other a little bit more. I was never the one that wanted to take, let's just eat food and go. Now we're like taking pictures and hanging out. You just squeeze, because you don't know when you're going to see him again. It literally got better in my family. As a pastor, I see this all the time. We without even realizing we elevate someone as our security blanket, as the one that's supposed to give us joy and peace, and when they're gone, our world crumbles, and it's better because only God can play that role. And then I know it doesn't sound good. It's not better for you, but it's better for them. For many of us in this room, we've lost friends and relatives this last two years because of COVID, and man, if they were in pain. And it's better that they're gone. Look what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. This is going to bless some of you. And God raised us up with Christ and seated. Someone shout seated. Seated with us 
with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, not today, but one day, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. You don't even know how much God loves you until you get to heaven. If you can't even describe it, express in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The irony is, even though your loved one is here, there's an empty seat for them in heaven. And when this seat becomes empty, it becomes full in heaven. So even though it's painful that my dad's not in this chair, he's in a better chair. I'll make that trade any day of the week. Christmas feels empty. You're not alone. And it gets better. And if those two things haven't spoken to your heart, you are Scrooge McDuck. We, we need, I need to pray for you. I got one more point. Praying that God ministers to you, especially with this last one. If Christmas feels empty, are you empty enough? Sometimes we've got to get to the bank account being zero. That one friend walking out to realize that God wants to fill us. And the reason we don't come to him is because you're not empty enough. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That word blessed in the Greek often can be translated happy. Let me read it again. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be what? Someone say it loud. They will be what? Filled. Filled. My, my daughter, the FDA says there's five food groups. My daughter only knows two, meat and bread. That's why our favorite food right now is Costco hot dogs, bread and meat. Pray for her. She needs vegetables. <laughs> right? Every meal, it doesn't matter where we go, she will pull the lettuce and tomatoes out, the vegetables out, and I'm full, Dad. And all the veggies. I'm like, are you allergic to vegetables? What's going on? And then as soon as the dessert comes out, oh, Dad, I'm hungry. I'm like, I thought you were full. What's up? And, and we don't mind giving my daughter sweets, but listen, it's what nutritious call empty calories. Because they don't fill you. They don't give you the nutrients that you want. It, it will momentarily give you a spike of insulin, but you're hungrier 15 minutes after the donut than you were before the donut. Listen, that's what we often do. When we have an empty memory of Christmas, or we have an empty feeling of Christmas, or an empty chair with that emptiness inside, we try to fill it with the sugar and the candy of the world. We go to the, we go to the club and it's, it's, it's a momentary joy, but the, the next morning it, we feel empty again. Maybe for some of us in this room, if we're honest, we, we inhale it, we drink it, or we pop a pill to get a momentary relief, to feel something other than the emptiness. But it's momentary. For other of us, we go to the company party, we, we get the bonus, and we think maybe the new iPhone, maybe the new car, maybe the, the, the big vacation. And for a moment, it gives you joy. But then you, get, you feel empty. And my question for you this morning is what do you give God to the God who has everything? You give him yourself. See, the beauty of Christianity is that you can come to God empty fill you. The question I have for you is this. What if your emptiness is your gift to God? See, when I had nothing, 
and I literally could not buy my kids gifts. I came to God with tears and with sorrow, and he filled me with joy. This is not the check. This was before the check. And I wonder for some of you in this room that the the thing you got to do is you, you sit with God and you say, God, I, I don't have the memories. And God's like, let's, let's make them with your kids. Let's fill your life with memories that, that, that are pleasant because of Christmas. And for some of you, you're like, God, I don't, I don't have the feeling. It's empty. Christmas is empty. God's like, man, I'm the author of joy and peace. You came to the right one because blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And what about the empty chair? Pastor Ali, they're literally not here. That's why Jesus called the comforter. Because he'll fill you with comfort when you come to him in your pain. And if you're here this morning and this is not the Christmas you wanted and you're feeling empty, Jesus wants to fill you. If you can bow your heads and close your eyes. Guys, I thank you so much, Lord, that you hear our prayers. This room is full of hurting people. People where life didn't go the way they wanted, their marriage didn't go the way they wanted, maybe their career, maybe their kids didn't go the way they wanted. God, and they're they're in pain. Christmas feels empty. I'm so thankful for a God who went through what we went through. We're not alone in our pain. You already graduated from that. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our great high priest, that in every way you were tempted, you went through it before us. When you hear our pain, you say, me too. God, but I'm hanging on the promise that it's going to get better. God, my loved one's not here. God, my spouse is not here yet. God, my marriage is still broken. I'm believing and hoping it's going to get better. Thank you, Jesus, that what you took in one season, you can give back in the next even better. And God, I come empty. I don't have the the childhood that my friends have. I don't have the Christmas joy that others do. And I believe in God. If I come to you in faith, you will fill me. For some of you in this room, before God blesses you, he needs to forgive you. Sin separates us. Sin is not just the things that we do. It's the good we were supposed to do. It's the thoughts that we have. And it separates us. And God doesn't want his kids separated. So he left heaven as painful as that was so he can live a sinless and perfect life so that he could die on a cross for our sin. That's what Christmas is. The gift of salvation the gift we could never earn, never buy, never purchase, never work for. It was given freely. And if you want to receive the greatest present, it's free. It's a relationship with the living God. It's salvation. It's to be forgiven of your sins with every eye closed and every head bowed. If that's you this morning and you want to start a relationship with the living God, his name is Jesus. And he came to die for you to forgive you. I want to count like to three. I want you to shoot your hand up. I want to pray a prayer with you. I want to count on three. One, two, three. If that's you, shoot your hand up. Amen. I see your hand. 
pray this prayer. Actually, everyone say this out loud. Thank you, Jesus, that you left heaven for me. You suffered for me. You died on a cross for my sin. I repent. I turn from my ways, from my sin. And I come to you. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you for the gift of salvation. As much as I know now, I place my faith in you. And everybody said, amen. Can you be, can we go up for the hands that went up? You can stand for a moment. We're going to sing some songs, end with a, some Christmas joy. Uh, but I want to tell you and highlight something that's amazing in the life of our church. Uh, for, for four years, every year, we do a vision builder's offering. It's your tithes pay for you today. Your offerings help accelerate the dream and vision of this church. Uh, in 2018, we raised $95,000. Crazy. The following year, because of COVID, we raised fifty-five. dollars Last year, we raised sixty-five. dollars I am super excited to announce this year. We still got two weeks left. We've already raised $71,000. Come on. Let me pray for the offering, and you, you want to give an offering, the, the connect card's on the side, but let me just tell you, online, we, we, you can give it online or in person. So let me pray. Thank you, Jesus, that the greatest gift that we could ever receive, God, was the gift that you gave us, forgiveness of sins. Better than any present is your presence. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. And everybody said? Hey, thank you again for listening to today's message. If you found today's sermon encouraging, inspiring, would you consider subscribing to this podcast? That way you won't miss the next word that's coming. See you next time.